three and one week for the Raptors, Ben. How you doing? Are you as good as this team? I hope you're better, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I'm doing better. You know, I just moved in with my girlfriend. Life is good. So I was busy moving this week, but I managed to squeeze in all these Raptors games. They kept me going. They kept me fueled up. And yeah, let's just jump right into them, Aaron. All right. This week started with the Raptors getting a revenge game for the Denver Nuggets loss that happened last week. So this was Tuesday night at home and then when this one 125 to 110 the thing that stood out the most to me this game was that crazy first quarter where the raptors scored 49 points an unbelievable 49 points it was an excellent display shooting by fred but also just some atrocious effort and turnovers by this denver nuggets team which is kind of slumping not really playing with the required effort for an nba team right now yeah, even though they're the one seed in the West, their record has dipped a little bit. And the one guy in particular this game that I thought played really, really poorly for them was Jamal Murray. He is one of my favorite NBA players, but he did not have it going tonight. He was dribbling around, hunting, trying to find his shots, but the Raptors' defense did a pretty good job clamping him. It looked like he was a step slow as well, but... He ended up 5 of 18 from the field, just kept chucking, just was not working. And a team low minus 20. It was a stinker from Jamal Murray. And this is a really important piece for the Nuggets. He needs to be playing on at all cylinders in the come playoff time because Jokic needs help if they're going to go to the finals this year. If Jamal Murray is playing up to his ceiling, his ceiling is stupidly high. But if he's if he's just playing well... This team is going to score like 130, 140 a game in in the postseason. If he's not playing well, then this team's lack of defense, Jokic being, you know, the defensive fulcrum, I think that really comes to the fore and starts becoming an issue. So you're absolutely right. And Jamal Murray's been really inconsistent this season, both like he's had some amazing games, amazing halves where he's just on fire, completely confident and unstoppable. And then he has games like this where, you can't really do anything right. So they need good Jamal Murray to show up, which has previously in the playoffs. And if, if that happens, they're going to be terrifying. I, I just can't wait to see this team in the playoffs. They're they're so interesting. And, you know, we haven't really seen the team. Like, I know that I know the, def- the season stats for the defense is like, yeah, they're OK. I don't believe in this team at all as a playoff offense and I a playoff defense. And so I think they're just going to try to outscore teams and it's going to be fascinating to watch. Like if they play the Phoenix suns or the warriors, just like these crazy, crazy offensive games, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And this is the big knock on Jokic is that his defense for a center isn't, isn't elite. And he's, he's actually slipped in the MVP rankings. I think most people have Embiid as the favorite now, because Embiid's been on a crazy tear as well. But the big knock on Jokic is like, he can't really play defense that well. And we saw this in the Raptors game, like Fred Van Vliet, Pirtle pick and roll, which has been the staple of their offense since the Pirtle trade. They were, they were getting great looks on almost every possession. And this is not by any means like the top pick and roll duo in the league. <laughs> no. This is Fred Van Vliet and Jakob Pirtle who have been playing great. Fred Van Vliet, six and assist post all-star break. He's been awesome averaging about nine per game and he looks rejuvenated but 
like you're going to be going up against superstars running pick and rolls and we don't have that and yeah i don't know this nuggets team i'm i'm very excited about them as well i want them to succeed i i love a lot of their players but i'm just not sure they have like i've just never seen a team with like this many defensive question marks actually like win a championship and that's what we're trying to do this year what this team reminds me of is before the Warriors won a championship where it's like you can't win a championship with like jump shoot with the jump shooting offense is like your go-to, right? Like Steph can't be the best player on a championship team. He's small. All he does is, is take jump shots, right? I'm not saying that they are going to win. I'm just saying that they're in that mold of a team that's they've never, no one has ever won a championship with this kind of a roster before with this kind of weaknesses where I think the defense is just going to be bad in the playoffs, but their offense could more than compensate for that, which is really exciting. And uh, like, I'll be rooting for them in the West just because Jokic is so much fun to watch. He's so, so tremendously skilled. And, you know, if they can just yeah, be even average player. on defense, yeah. like they're going to, they're going to roast teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun. All right, Aaron, let's move on to our next game of the week against one of your favorite teams which i have no idea why you got to explain why you love the thunder so much so uh my partner and I, we got league pass this year and we're also in a fantasy league together and she drafted sga in like the sixth round or something like that and he's been a superstar like top five player so we've been watching a lot of oklahoma city thunder it's a way i can watch basketball with my partner which is just that works out for me so well so <laughs> i've seen a lot of thunder games i fall in love with this team there i think Maybe, maybe not like the best coach team in the league, but they're one of the best coach teams in the league. They don't have a ton of talent, but they they play the right way. They maximize what they're good at and they minimize what they're bad at. And SGA is just an absolute superstar. He is, he's, I think, like guaranteed all NBA. And I think he's the top 10 guy in the league. He is, there's defensive concerns about him before this season. He's been their, I think, their best defensive player this season, makes all kinds of plays. His basketball IQ is just off the charts, and he's playing with so much confidence. The level of skill this guy has might be like top five in the league. He's just what he can do out there, the level of control that he has over his body and just getting by guys, getting through guys, spinning. It's just, it's insane watching this guy. Yeah, if you're a normal Raptors fan like me who hasn't watched a lot of Thunder this year, you were treated to some of that on, was it Thursday night when they played the Thunder? Because Shy was making some ridiculously difficult shots. Like Just the level of shot making that he has, it's like this is going to translate to the playoffs. I don't think there's any questions about that. It's like, yeah, he's got superstar written all over him. And he just needs some more help on this team, quite frankly. Like they're going to make the playoffs this year. At least they're going to be in the play-ins. I think they're in the eighth seed right now. Probably. But this team is (laughs) so much could change going nowhere until they get him some help. And I don't know if there's any other guy on this roster right now that's playing. Like not Chet Holmgren, <laughs> that is actually <laughs> that second star for him. We don't know about Chet yet, but like Josh Giddy, I'm not convinced by Josh Giddy. Jalen Williams is but, like the the small forward. Jalen Williams is really good. That's true. He, but he did is he a second good. star? Maybe probably not. But like, is he a good player? A good player to build around with with Shea? Absolutely, he fits. Like, yeah, they've they've got right. some nice pieces, but yeah, we'll see we'll see where this team goes, but. You know, they'll go as far as Shea can take them. But yeah, the Raptors in this game. I mean, we're... we're, we're yeah, I'm talking, talking about, about them OKC. like the like OKC won this game. The Raptors absolutely mashed them. 
Yeah. Like the, the final score here was uh, 120 to 111. Raptors are just way too big for this team. They like the, the Thunder, they're pretty much all the same size. Like their big men are like two inches taller, like 40 pounds heavier than, than SGA, but they're pretty much all the same size. Whereas the Raptors were just all bigger than them. They mashed them on the boards, 19 offensive rebounds, just dominated the paint on both ends against this team. Like this, this was, uh, this was the first game where I was like the Pirtle trade won the Raptors this game, like the, the rim protection, the dominating the paint on both ends. Like this was, this was because of Pirtle that they won this game. So, you know, I guess that if you're rooting for this team to win games, unlike me, that probably feels pretty good, but just, just a drubbing. Yeah. And it wasn't just Pirtle. I think all of their top six guys played great and they were fully healthy this game. And they were they were gunning on all cylinders. Like the rest of the bench is totally unimpactful. But now that <laughs> Gary is the sixth man, it's like their top six guys look really good when they're all out there. And so it's like they go six deep, which isn't great. Ideally, you'd like to go like eight deep. I think behind Gary, there's still a ton of question marks on the bench. But when your top six guys are playing so well, you don't need much else, especially when you're going against a team like the Thunder. Yep. Uh, next game. The Raptors beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are who are after this game, uh, thirty five and thirty seven. Nice win at home. Just kidding. This was a schedule loss for the Timberwolves. They were on the second night of a back to back, flying to Toronto late after a double overtime uh, loss to the Chicago Bulls, where Anthony Edwards got injured. So no cat, no Anthony Edwards on the second night of a back to back. This game was still this was like tied in the third quarter. And the Raptors just kind of ran away in the in the fourth quarter, as you'd expect with a schedule loss like that. So, you know, great to get the win if you're rooting for the Raptors to win games, but not really something that you should take away anything from. I think at this point, if you're a Raptors fan, you have to be rooting for them to win games. I just want to start off by saying that <laughs> every there's time no hope of, there's no hope <laughs> in the tank left the tank dream is dead for this season it's not dead they could tank and get you know we're (laughs) we're fully in the plans we're battling for with our hearts for the eighth seed here like there's no shot this team is shutting anyone down and trying to lose games down the stretch so you're right you're right you got to put a pin in that like we're at that dream is over i can't get my hopes up for that but yeah this i think og is the guy that stood out to me is playing really well this game he his stat line doesn't scream out to you, but he was a team high plus 23. And just he's so solid defensively, he hits his shots. He's been shooting really well from three. I saw I just a stat love the way he's been playing lately. That since the all-star break, he's like fourth in effective field goal percentage in the league. Like he's been shooting the lights out, OG has. And this game and he's just putting the clamps on people too. His defense yeah, is awesome. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. He was really good in the Bucks game as well that we're going to talk about next. But one thing I want to point out, we saw a little bit of Pascal Siakam just returning to the bully ball. Obviously, with the Timberwolves being so injured, we saw a decent amount of Josh Minot minutes <laughs> and who is like a rookie forward for the Timberwolves who doesn't really play for them. And Pascal Siakam just took him to the cleaners. Just, oh, like this guy is smaller and not as strong as Pascal Siakam. That is just the matchup that, that Pascal is going to dominate. So... 
it's good to see him having some sort of really clean buckets, you know, just bullying guys in the post. He hasn't been doing a whole lot of that lately. So that was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One thing to note, this game and the previous game, Precious Atua out of the rotation. This game, he had three minutes, but that was at the end of the game when it was garbage time. Yeah. The previous game, he was a DNP. Yeah, the previous two games, he was a DNP coach's decision. So, Coloco I mean, was taking his place in the rotation. Yeah. That changed in the Bucks game, which we can talk about. I mean, let's just jump into the Bucks game. Let's do it. But, and then we'll talk about Precious. <laughs> so, Sunday night, the second night of a back to back, the Raptors are in Milwaukee. They lost this one 118 to 111. And what I'm going to call a moral victory for this team because this, this Bucks team played super well. They're healthy. They're firing on all cylinders. They're like the Bucks team. You don't think of them as like this great passing team. They had a number of, of players making passes you would not expect, like Brooke Lopez throwing duck ins to, to like Bobby Portis. And just this team was taking advantage of the Raptors' aggressiveness on defense really well. Like the, all the double teams Giannis was getting, the ball was flying around. And then just on defense, like they are massive. The Raptors, I think, shot really well this game. They hit uh, the Raptors hit how many threes? Uh, 14 threes over 40%. And still, like, you know they they were beat pretty solidly in the end, but you know for for a team of Milwaukee's caliber playing really well, I, I think the Raptors got to be happy just to be in it. Yeah, this this game was this game was close. The Raptors were up going into the fourth quarter, and then just their offense evaporated. There was a tough stretch with the bench, a bench yeah. lineup out there that just couldn't get anything going. But. Yeah, I, I think this is absolutely a moral victory, except for Scotty Barnes getting hurt. That's a little scary. You hope he's not injured for any length of time here because with their healthy lineup, the, the, the Raptors are looking kind of good this week. And it's, it's the best this, they've looked in a while. I'll say yeah, that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm a Scotty skeptic. I'm curious to see what the team looks like without him. Maybe it makes more sense with Gary Trent back in the starting lineup. Like maybe the spacing does a little bit better. Like OG's been shooting really well. If you can put, you know, three shooters around Pascal and and Jakob, like maybe maybe the offense shines a little bit more. You know, I I think that's fair. That that could be your optimal lineup, but it's just having six guys that can actually play basketball. Yeah. With with the decline of Precious Atua, who let's talk about here because they they put him in strategically in this game over Christian Coloco. He's a much better defensive player against the Bucks because he can also guard out on the perimeter and with Cloco what the Raptors were doing was playing a 2-3 zone and just having Cloco sit in the paint but when you're going against a center like Brooke Lopez who can shoot threes his his three-point percentage is is back up to 38 percent this season yeah and and so like you have but also with Giannis sort of being the zone buster uh, Coloco just doesn't have the physicality. Yeah. He's going to foul yeah. out in six possessions against Giannis, right? So yeah, he's too weak for that matchup, and so you need Precious to his strength and also his yeah. versatility to be able to close yeah. out on shooters as well. And, and so it made sense why he was back in, but he's basically been a nothing burger for the last little while for the Raptors. And last week game, I said that he should okay, ask for a trade, but... and I don't think any different this week. Yeah. I, it just, with with Scotty being injured, we don't know how long Scotty's going to be out. I, Precious, I think, is going to be the main benefactor of that, just because 
I don't know. Are you excited by Thaddeus Young potentially getting minutes? I'm not. I like Precious is going to be the guy. Yeah, for sure. Precious has to be the guy. And this is his opportunity to step up and prove that the way the Raptors are using him is a mistake and he deserves more minutes because he hasn't justified any more minutes with his play. Like, let's be frank. Not, not recently, not recently. Yeah. But there's a reason I, he's getting. I mean, I would. Teams. Yeah, I I'd be mad that they traded for Pirtle. Like that's that's what I'd be mad about if I was him. So <laughs> sure, but I mean, I, when you I, watch I, the Raptors, it's just Pirtle is such a clear upgrade over him. Like Pirtle's playing awesome and giving consistent production, and Precious was not doing that. This team looks a lot better with Pirtle in the lineup than it does Precious. Like they look better. Are they better? I don't know. Yeah, they absolutely are. But the other guy on the bench that another recent acquisition, Will Barton, dude, this guy just can't shoot. Like he looks yeah. so washed. Yeah, this I wasn't a great. I was saying like, what's the difference between Will Barton and Gary Trent? This week, there was a pretty big difference between Will Barton and Gary Trent. Yeah, over his nine games, he's shooting 25% from the field and 25% from three. It's just like, there's he's giving us nothing. Yeah. Uh, and he can dribble the ball a little bit, but he's not like a great passer or anything. The At least he's bigger than Malachi Flynn. Yeah, he's bigger than Malachi Flynn. But honestly, let's get Jeff Doughton some more minutes. I don't yeah, know. He's, I, I, I he's mean, defensively I'm and for it. yeah, he's not doing anything different. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be worse than Will Barton was this week. So yeah. let's give it a whirl. So, um, so this week, the Raptors are now solidly in ninth place, half a game back of eighth place. We're talking about potentially only only needing one game to make the playoffs. Let's do a quick standings for the teams around the Raptors. Atlanta, we talked, they're half a game up. Miami is then like four games ahead of the Raptors for the seventh seed. That is with, what is it, 10 games left? Four games is a lot to make up on a team that's obviously going to be trying super hard because they can get out of the plans altogether. They're they're uh, two games down on Brooklyn and in the loss column. So there is, you know, there's everything to play for for the teams ahead of the Raptors. So I, the eight seed is what feels achievable for this team. And then behind them, it's Chicago and Indiana and Washington at 33 and 32 wins respectively. So there's a bit of a gap there. I, I, the Raptors are definitely going to be in the play in at this point. It's just, are they going to be in the nine ten spot or are they going to be in the seven, eight spot? Do they need to win one game to make the playoffs or two games? And that, that is really what they're fighting for at this point. Yeah. I think this battle with Atlanta is going to be super interesting because this, this feels like the really pivotal matchup here. The bulls, they're just not a great team. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not nearly as worried about the Bulls as I am about Atlanta here, who also isn't a great team. But right now, <laughs> the head of being ahead of the Raptors in the standings, this is who you're targeting, trying to catch because getting that eight seed. It's like the difference between the eight and nine seed is actually just so massive because the the ninth seed, you have to win two games all of a sudden versus the eight seed. You just have to win one. And yeah. it's like your your odds of actually making the playoffs go they're, they're huge i'm not but, gonna do the math on it but it's a huge jump <laughs> yes it's enormous um and like chicago i think i think chicago is going to be the team that gets the 10 seed indiana like tyrese halliburton's hurt again without halliburton they won like two games all season this team i just i don't see why 
they would want to make the play-ins. Like as an, as a franchise, they've had a great season. Halliburton is like potentially all NBA good. You know, they, they've learned a lot about their team, and I think they should probably just try to maximize what kind of draft pick they can get at this point. Whereas Chicago, you can't say that for like they owe a top four protected pick. They're going all in. They've actually gotten a little bit unlucky in terms of their point differential and their their clutch game stuff, unlike last year. So I don't like if Toronto is playing Chicago on a neutral court for that for that nine ten game. Who are you picking? Oof, I'm picking Toronto. I think Toronto. <sighs> Toronto is a better team. And like, if you looked at this before the season, you'd be like Toronto for sure. They've just underperformed so hard, but I kind of feel like some of that, I want to see another week of solid play from them, but this week was really encouraging for me. They beat some good teams. I will and say like we're competitive against the bucks who are yes. the best team in the league right now. Yeah. I, the bucks loss was, I think their their best game in a long time. And yeah, you know, I'm a Raptors skeptic. I want to see that Bucks series, to be honest. I, I want them to get the eighth seed here and have a nice <laughs> That's just a, that's Bucks. just an easy four game sweep. I mean, yeah, the Bucks are gonna win, but I think it I think the Raptors are a team that guards Giannis pretty well, makes yeah. his life difficult. OG's and OG's as good as there is against Giannis. If the Bucks have a few off shooting nights from three, it's like you you could sneak in a couple games and make it a competitive series. I think it would be a fun series for the first round, as fun as a one eight series could be in the East. Like, let's be real: so, if the Bulls go against the Bucks, they're toast. So the Raptors this week, like uh, the offense looked pretty good, right? They scored one twenty five, one twenty eight, one twenty two, and one eleven against the Bucks. Like those are all like you're happy with the offense. If you want to be a skeptic, like I am. You could say, well, they shot 40% from three against the Nuggets. Then they shot, what is it, uh, 44% against the Thunder. Then they shot only 33% against the the Timberwolves, but that was like that was a schedule loss. And then they shot over 40% against the Bucks. This is like a really bad shooting team that is just that is hitting a lot of threes right now. And when this team has spacing and teams are closing out on their shooters. The offense flows a lot better, but is that is that really something that's going to keep up in the in the coming weeks? Like, you know, it's not it's not like they're shooting like 50, 60 percent in any of these games, but it's just this team isn't that good at shooting. So I no, be but a little it, bit like skeptical their, there. Their good shooters are finally starting to hit some shots like Fred Van Vliet. He's well, OG is, is the one that's OG like unsustainably hot automatic. Yeah. And Gary's. I think had a couple of great shooting games mixed in there as well. Gary is starting to feels like he's become more comfortable this week in his bench role. And it was like instant offense off the benches, which is what you need from him. And so, yeah, is it unsustainable? Sure. But on the flip side, Pascal Siakam has been slumping. And honestly, I, I'm wondering if this might be part of the Pirtle trade. Just there's even less spacing around the basket for him to operate now. He just yeah, doesn't absolutely. seem the fit as comfortable. Pascal and he was already slumping three. Yeah, but three it's not trade, helping, right? It's it, not yeah, helping. it doesn't seem to have helped. <laughs> like the best time Pascal Siakam has looked since the trade deadline was bullying a rookie in this like the, where they're forced to play a rookie. Like that's you know, he hasn't he hasn't been great. So 
Yeah, but I think it's more than made up for by the fact that like Fred's game has been truly unlocked by having a real. They actually have like something to run on offense, which yeah. even if like even if it results in a lot of pearl floaters, which for this team is good offense. But if you're looking ahead to playoffs and tougher teams, I think you're they're going to concede a lot of these purtle like middle of the you know middle of the paint floaters because you know it's, it's okay offense but it's not great yeah yeah but for half court offense it's like the raptors if they're not well, getting yeah, we'll take anything they're not gonna, yeah. they're not gonna win games right like the, yeah the, <laughs> that's okay shots but yeah i think it's you know this team now runs through fred <laughs> fred yeah. is like unquestionably the alpha if you hear if you hear anyone talk about like pascal siakam is the best player on this team it means they haven't been watching the rafters for the last three months because freddie's been clearly the best player for the last three months and it's it's not been particularly close and i would say on the season now freddie has like has surpassed siakam by quite a bit in terms of how good they've been for this team that's interesting (sighs) He was so bad at the start, though, Aaron. I feel like this is but recent. Siakam's been pretty bad now. Like, yeah, yeah. I think on the season they're probably pretty close to even. I think Freddie's. The, the think trends Freddy's are over. definitely in Freddie's favor for sure. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of worrisome because come playoff time, yeah, Freddie's Fred guardable. Has like, always struggled in the playoffs. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll have to see what happens. But so is Pascal. <laughs> We have two great choices uh, for who to be our stars in, in the playoffs. Uh, both are are eighty two game players, not sixty game players, as you like to say, Ben. Uh, well, maybe Scotty Barnes will be the guy that gets unlocked in the playoffs. He was good last year. We'll see. We can yeah. dream, right? If we yeah, get the you can if dream. we get the seventh seed as well, looks like we might be facing off against the Philadelphia 76ers rematch of last year. Spicy. Spicy. Before before we do one of our looks around the league, just talking about whatever we want to talk about for every team and going over the standings, the schedule for this team this week, since we're doing this on Monday night, we missed this, the Sunday night game. So there's only two games this week, Ben. And what are, what are our chances looking like for these ones? Ooh, I guess this isn't going to be the best week for a measuring stick for this Raptors team because Wednesday night they're playing the Indiana Pacers at home. And then they follow it up on Friday night against the Detroit Pistons, also at home. Pretty cakewalk schedule here. This looks like two wins. Hopefully this gets us over the Hawks in the standings. Yeah, this is the easy part of our schedule. For sure. And, you know, if Tyrese Halliburton is injured, like this this Indiana Pacers team should be toast for this Raptors team. This Pistons team is just atrocious at this point. So many of like even their good vets are injured. Like this, this team is truly horrific, and I don't even think this Raptors team is capable of losing uh, to this Pistons team. Well, you've just jinxed that so hard. This is the Pistons <laughs> we're talking about. The Raptors always find a way. I yeah, never Dwayne Casey revenge. Brain. James Wiseman is gonna like go off for thirty. Yeah, he's been playing well lately. I'm never taking a Pistons game for granted. I'm gonna have my. I mean, eyes you should never take a Raptors game for, for granted, one. but. That's I think true. you can take this one for granted. That's true. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Ben. Standings in the East. So this is before the games on Monday. Milwaukee, they have been cruising as of late. They are 51-20 and 20 with a three-game lead over now Philadelphia and Boston. They're tied for two and three. 
this Bucks team, did you, I didn't have them as being like the best regular season team in the East. I thought, you know, a bunch of old vets, they would be, you know, kind of careful, you know, not, not going full gas, just, you know, make the playoffs, maybe get home court in the first round. And then, you know, you're, you're set, you're, you're a playoff team, but they've been absolutely smoking hot uh, for the last couple of months. And they look like they're the runaway first, uh, first seed in the East and best record in the league. Yeah, I don't know why we keep getting caught off guard by this because it seems like every regular season the Bucks are just this juggernaut if they're healthy. And Chris Middleton wasn't even healthy for half of the season. For and he's more than half. He's only basically been half. helpful in the last month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so what they've done is pretty remarkable here. And honestly, I don't know why Giannis isn't getting more MVP talk. It seems to be Jokic and Embiid, but his Bucks are first in the East. He's as dominant as ever. Just an absolute monster. His team is really good, but like so are the Sixers, so are the Nuggets. I don't know. Yeah, it seems a little I, strange to me that Giannis is a seems like a distant third in conversations. One of the benefits of toiling away on a, a relatively anonymous podcast is that we don't have votes for the MVP because I have no idea what the right answer is. I don't really think there is a right answer. I think that if you are <laughs> slandering some of the people that are not your guy for mvp you're just you're a hater i yeah you vote for any one of these three guys you've got the right answer in my book yeah they're honestly all they're all incredible it's just the answer is definitely not jason like, tatum though yeah I, do, I don't have the tools to to separate these three guys but you're right uh, it's not tatum number two <laughs> maybe surprisingly passing the celtics who have been kind of mediocre recently the philadelphia is 48 and 22 Embiid just beasting this offense is like I think second or third in the league in in efficiency. Embiid like I if there's a year for Embiid like him and Jokic I think have the most to lose this postseason if they have early exits because these are the sort of the snake bitten MVP candidates that every year and then the in the playoffs it kind of all falls apart so. I think with Jokic, it's more been injuries and not his fault. Uh, whereas Embiid, he's definitely gotten worse in the playoffs before, kind of shrunk a little bit. Some of them maybe due to injuries to himself. But if Philly doesn't do it this this season, I think it might be it might be curtains for them. Yeah, especially with Harden entering free agency this summer. But this, also this like a year good. older, PJ in. Tucker will be a year older, Tobias Harris will be a year older, and Embiid will be a year older. Like this team outside of Maxi is not young. Yeah, yeah. And Embiid is always a health risk. And yeah. so it's like he's healthy. This is his moment. You're totally right. And so a lot of pressure is going to be on Philadelphia. But the way they're playing right now, they're scary. They've won eight in a row. I don't know. I, I think the East has gotten a lot spicier now that Philadelphia is playing really well. And the Celtics have come off of their high horse. They're no longer the juggernaut that they appeared to be for most of the season. All of a sudden, the East is looking very, very competitive. I mean, I think it's been competitive the whole season. And the third tip of this trident in the East is the Boston Celtics. And I think they are maybe should, should maybe still be the favorites in the East. I don't really care that they're having a bit of a bad stretch where, you know, they're not shooting as well. They're not playing as hard. The defense isn't at the level that you would want it to be. I think it's just the, the, the long season is catching up to the Celtics and I, and I trust that they'll get it together in time for the playoffs. 
and be an absolute wrecking ball and a nightmare to play. They are the most flexible team in the East. They have the most versatility. They have the best like perimeter wings that like the, the best difficult shot makers, you know, the, the most switchable versatile defense, like the list goes on. So I think they have a lot of advantages, but against the Bucks and the Sixers, they're not going to have the best player in the series. And, and that matters. And we saw Giannis last season put the Bucks on his back seven games without Chris Middleton. And they're better like, this year. The, the playoffs in the East are just going to be absolutely incredible. But we haven't even gotten to like, you know, the Cavs or basically just the Cavs that, that I think are relevant. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just the Cavs. But, but like in terms of high quality championship, I think there's an argument that the East has the three best teams in the league. Yeah, I think you can definitely make that case. If if the Celtics get some of their shooting back, which, you know, there's no reason to think they won't. They have a lot of great shooters. Those teams at the top are stacked with a capital S. Like, it's going to be a bloodbath. And one of those teams is going to be exiting before the conference finals. And it's going to be a huge disappointment for them. I think the Celtics are the only team that can, like, afford to lose you know what I mean? Because they're 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 young, and like you know, if they have an injury to a key player, it's like okay, like you know, we can we can come again next season with basically the same team, and you know, the not whereas like the Bucks, you know, they have age against their size as like against their side as well. So I don't yeah. know. Like, there's definitely the most pressure on the 76ers, but you know, I you know I can yeah. see changes happening if for any team that that doesn't make the conference finals from this three yeah for sure and it'll be interesting to see as well joe missoula as the rookie head coach for the celtics how he fares in the playoffs with adjustments and whatnot like that's a that's a part of the game that like coaching the playoffs is different and he doesn't have the track record for that so we'll have to see how he does i mean that being said like philadelphia with doc rivers he doesn't have the great (laughs) Record of playoff is it crazy to say that like Bud is the best playoff coach among this group? It wouldn't, I thought he should have been fired years ago. Yeah, like he, he's learned his lessons, right? Like he plays Giannis like 40 minutes a game in the playoffs now, so yeah, that's I mean, all he needed to do with him. So, and they actually can do different things on defense as well. So, yeah, you know, uh, I think the Bucks are the team here, but we'll see. You think the Bucks are the team? I'm gonna stick with, with the Celtics that I predicted, but. I the the playoffs in the East at the top are just going to be utterly fascinating. Yeah, and and now it's like let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're they're a distant fourth place here, but but they're but, three games up on on fifth place. Like they're they're, they're sitting pretty in fourth, and they're good. They're, they're really, really good. good. Donovan they're Mitchell really... and Darius Garland is a backcourt. Like we've seen Donovan Mitchell go crazy in the playoffs. He can win a series by himself and they've got great defensive bigs. Their wing rotation is a little iffy, but they're not, it's not like scrubs that they're playing on the wing. Like Isaac Okoro has gotten a little bit better. Levert's fine. It's, it's whatever. Like, pretty scrubby, but it's not like, I don't think it's a train wreck. I think against so, the Celtics, it's going to be tough. But in the first round, likely against the Knicks, or you know, like I think we're talking, like it's it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, they could surprise one of these teams above them. Like it, it's no 
guarantee that the team that goes up goes up against Cleveland is actually going to win. Like Cleveland could surprise someone here. I think they're kind of a dark horse. Wait, so you you think Cleveland could beat Milwaukee? Yeah, if things go right for them in a series, I don't like. I wouldn't pick them, but I, it's like Cleveland's not a team that, that they're just gonna get walk. It's gonna get walk over. No, it, I, I think it would be a competitive. There's enough series. shooting variance yeah. that uh, it's gonna be a yeah reasonably competitive series. And if things swing the right way, it's like Donovan Mitchell averages forty points a game. Darius Garland is an amazing guard as well. It's like they have enough. If they can eke out enough offense, their defense is gonna be great, and. I like we'll have to see how Jared Allen fares in the playoffs. I, th- I think the Bucks are a bad paint. matchup, but I mean, yeah, like the Bucks are the Bucks are a bad matchup for almost everybody, though. Like, Except the Sixers, yeah, yeah. Uh, even the Sixers, I don't know. Like, is it that good of a? It's like, are you going to put Embiid on Giannis the whole game? Yeah, yeah. That's a tough ask for Embiid, but yeah, it's we'll a tough see. ask for Giannis. <laughs> yeah, I, it'll be a fascinating series. But yeah, like yeah. I'm just saying, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's like I don't think you can just be like, oh yeah, we're gonna beat the Cavs and just you know walk through that yeah. series. They're gonna put the, up the a Cavs are like a second tier contender, and it's yeah. unfortunate that the that the teams above them are this good because in a normal NBA season they would be like a two or three seed, and you know be a little bit closer to the championship than they are but just because of you know the, the way that how good the east is this season it's it hasn't broken for them but at the same time they are a team that can afford like if they lose to the bucks in let's say like six games in the second round no shame there like you're, i think you're you're very happy with how the season has gone the Mitchell trade has worked out you know mobley is a stud you know guard like the team has gelled they're super good they're going to be a juggernaut for years to come right yeah, that core is staying around for a long time there. They're all locked in, so. Yeah. Next, we have the feisty New York teams. That's the Knicks who have been just on an inexplicable tear recently. And the Brooklyn Nets, the remade Brooklyn Nets, sans Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now with Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, just a myriad of players. This, this team is probably looks more different than any other team in the league at this point, but they're hanging on bravely to the six seed. I feel they're not like, making the playoffs. That's my prediction. They're not making the playoffs. They're dropping yeah. out of the six seed. I mean, Miami is breathing hot on their tail, but Miami's not making the playoffs. Back. Then let's say they face the Raptors. Like the Raptors are going to curb stomp them in a play in game. And then they'll have to go up against the Hawks, who I would also pick over them. Like, this team just doesn't have the juice. I was actually going to say, like, the Knicks don't have the juice either. I think every team past Cleveland is just is just red meat for the teams in the top four. Like, the, the gap between the top four and whoever it is is going to be five through eight is just enormous. I agree, but, like, Jalen Brunson is a legitimate offensive player. The Brooklyn yeah. Nets have no one that they can just be like, all right, get us some buckets. It's like, are you going to Spencer? If you're going to Spencer Dinwiddie is that guy or Mikhail Bridges. Bridges is that guy, it's like, good luck. It's like, yeah, he yeah. hasn't he hasn't proven this for at sure. yeah. like a consistent level for a they, long they time that you think in the playoffs paper they're going to work. They're yeah. a playoff paper <laughs> tiger for sure. But I think the Knicks are the same thing. So Yeah, yes, I agree. The Knicks aren't good, but... The Knicks have a more consistent track record of being a solid team. 
it's like they're going to get walked over in the first round by any of the top four. But Brooklyn might not even make the playoffs here. I mean, that's a fair point. They, they do smell a little bit like Cleveland last year where they had this great record. But then, I mean, this is by trades, whereas Cleveland, it was by injuries last year where they ended up, you know, having the seventh seed but not making the, the playoffs because, you know, they, they were just too injured. But um, they, they do kind of remind me of that. So interesting take there. I kind of love it. Before we move to the West, Ben, there's one question I want to ask you, and this is going to catch you by surprise. Has there been any team that's had a better year than the Orlando Magic? <laughs> they are 29 and 43, pretty much locked into the five seed while playing all of their young guys like the entire season where they've been pretty healthy and they've been like sneaky competitive. They they they're a decent team with flourishing young guys who are developing in the way that you would hope, like where they can handle the, they're they're competitive because their young guys are good, not because they're being carried by some vets. So like, I'll ask you, has there been like from a franchise, like big picture perspective, has any team had a better year than the Orlando magic? Ooh, that's a good question. <sighs> Off the top of my head, there's a couple that I think, Yes. And if you want to go with teams that are actually winning games, I I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. The Sacramento Kings, I think, are an obvious answer. Uh, They're second in the West right now. I might have been the only person that predicted them to make the playoffs before the season started. Like that team with the light, the beam, brilliant marketing campaign, that's probably like alone gives them the best season. Everyone loves the Sacramento Kings now. That's true. Love the beam. Love the beam. Their players are playing great. The Indiana Pacers are the other one. Like Tyrese Halliburton taking a jump this year into bonafide so all-star. I think you, you got to talk about two teams. If, if you're going to bring up Indiana, you also got to bring up Oklahoma City. They both have young guards that have been developing into superstars. But I think the SGA downside was it, more predictable though. Like it was, but he's also he made a bigger there. leap. Like he's a bit, he's a better player than than Tyrese Halliburton is, right? Like, and it's but he was also a better that, player last year. Yeah. But I'm saying they right, both like, made big jumps. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I think the downside is, is that those teams don't really have any kind of lottery equity. Whereas Orlando has sure. done all this while being fifth. Like they have incredible odds at Wembenyama. So yeah. they've they have both tanked while developing, and you know developing in the way you would want and being competitive in the way that you would want. So like they've managed to do it all this season. Whereas I yeah. think these other teams have won at the expense of their long-term sort of talent acquisition. I think the only thing that's holding Orlando back from having the perfect season is if Jonathan Isaac had renounced Christianity and just started to start playing <laughs> games again, <laughs> gotten back on the court. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No season is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Atheist but yeah, they've had a great here. season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jonathan Isaac stops preaching and becomes an MVP. <laughs> yeah, that's Orlando's wet dream right there. Yeah, uh, but all right. Yeah, they've had move, a great season. <laughs> yeah, the East. We've we've been talking it up. I think the first round and the plans might be kind of boring for the East. To be honest, I think the plans are going to be exciting. Like they're going to be exciting in that they're they're one game like you know win or go home kind of thing. So. Like that part is fun, but the like the competitiveness of the first round, I think, is going to be pretty bad. 
for a, for a lot of the series. There might be one good one in there, but but okay, the team we haven't talked about here is the Miami Heat, who are sitting yeah. in the seventh seed. I mean, I feel like the teams above, like they haven't had a good season. But are you excited to play the Miami Heat in the first round if you're Milwaukee or Philadelphia? You're right. I mean, if I'm Milwaukee, absolutely. I do not. I mean, I do not care. I have zero fear of the Miami Heat. Remember the history, though. The history. Yeah. Aaron. Last time they played them, they swept them so fucking bad. It was like they Giannis annihilated Jimmy Butler. Like they they took them to the woodshed. Like I think I think the other teams should be more scared of Miami than Milwaukee, but. You're you're right that maybe they should have a little bit of fear in them. I'm not a huge bull. I just I don't know how like this. I guess Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like they had that close series against Boston, but like I think Boston's better than they were last year, and I don't know if the Heat are. Yeah. All right. Let's say let's say that Miami moves up to six, and then it's Toronto, Atlanta. And is my dream is that Toronto sinks up to seven here. But like Toronto, Atlanta, seven, eight. Yeah, like Atlanta's gonna get curb stomped. Toronto's gonna get curb stomped by Philadelphia or Milwaukee. The Knicks, like the Knicks will be exciting because they'll be at home and the the crowd will be crazy. Like there'll be a couple exciting games there. Maybe they can make a that series competitive. That's yeah, kinda the like... four or five series feels pretty snoozy as well. Yeah. You're right. So... I think it's like the Miami series versus Boston or Philadelphia will be interesting but you're right the rest of the first round series barring whatever series the raptors are in is not going to be very exciting yeah i will include the raptors in that um so let's move to the west here ben we talked about them before the denver nuggets despite their slide at 40 and 24 are i think four games ahead of the second place tied for second place sacramento kings they're tied with memphis here phoenix is in fourth uh, one game, half a game up on the Los Angeles Clippers, who are a couple games up on the Dallas Mavericks, and then we're in the seventh spot. We're five hundred with the Golden State Warriors. Then we got OKC, half a game back. Minnesota, one game back. LA, one game. The Lakers, one game back. Utah and uh, New Orleans, uh, two and two and a half games back there, respectively, at eleven and twelve. Like this is. The West this is, is just absurd. It's absurd. And you know what I love about this? There's so many good teams in here that aren't great, but like this, the, it's almost like the standings you took, like all the teams that were in it and you just like scrambled them at the beginning. If you took like, okay, here are all the teams that are competing for the playoffs. And you just shook it. And they're like, here's what came out. would be like, well, this seems like a pretty random list of teams that I thought were going to make the playoffs. So I think that's going to make for crazy, exciting play-ins and first round playoff matchups like i'm going to be watching the the west way more than the east in the first round because it's just it's just complete chaos <laughs> yeah like the fact that four through 12 there's four games apart yeah all of those teams like the pelicans technically aren't even out of the race yet and yeah. they've been slumping for what seems like three months now since i got hurt yeah it's crazy and we have no idea what the seeding is going to shake out. Like in the East, we have a pretty good idea of where teams are, like at least within one to two spots. With the West, like LA, the Lakers could be in the four seed a few game, like a few games from now. Like outside of Denver being in first, nothing is secure. 
Yeah, and then like Sacramento, Memphis are penciled in. Yeah, two- it's just who is going to get the two seed, right? Yeah, yeah. But then behind that, it's just you just lift your arms up and you just shrug your shoulders, and you we just have to wait for these games to be played because it's it's ridiculous right now. But like, would if you one of these? If you were Sacramento or Memphis, would you rather have the two seed or the three seed? Because with the two seed, Oof. you're playing the winner of the playing competition. You're you're looking at, you know, Golden State potentially like, you know, like that. That to me is the team that is most terrifying. But, you know, it could also be like the Clippers, you know, whereas <laughs> if you're the three seed, you know, you're talking like maybe Dallas, you know, maybe <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard to tell who's going to yeah. be. The, but like, you know, it might be riskier to, to like play the winner of the play-ins. I think we might see some interesting shenanigans in the last like the, game or two. Yeah, the last but game until, or two is going to be insane. Until things clarify here, I think you're trying to win every game because getting that home court advantage in the second round could be really impactful, right? And yeah. it's like if you're looking, if you're these teams, I mean, if you're Sacramento, you're just happy to be there almost like there's no expectations for performing in the playoffs, but I, I don't know. Like, yeah, they're going to just try and win and get home court advantage. Do we think Sacramento is a real team here? Like they're clearly uh, no, in the top I, three in the West. Absolutely not. But, but, but with Memphis being the three seed, I don't believe in Memphis as a playoff team one bit. We saw last yeah. season, they looked like frauds against Minnesota. And they won with, one game against Golden State. Like they blew them out. Like I, I can't. The shenanigans with John Moran as well. He's apparently coming back to probably going to be playing this week, probably on yep. Wednesday night. But like with with this pretty serious issues surrounding him, and then it takes one week of going to rehab, and everything's fixed, and he's going to be playing again. He didn't and go to rehab. He went to counseling. I thought it was like a he was somewhere for a week. It was like a rehab center. Like it was it was it was counseling. counseling it wasn't center, rehab, but it was a center. It was some place where you yeah, go off. And but it wasn't. He doesn't have a substance issue. He has a partying issue. I don't know, but yeah. I, also, it's like other than the fact that he beat up an underage kid that was playing basketball with him. I don't know if any of the other issues are really that concerning like an nba player going to a strip club that's unheard of like no 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 one no one cares about that no one cares that he went to a strip club absolutely no one cares like he had a gun oh no i no. this is america no one else has ever had a gun before (laughs) like he didn't kill anybody the gun never went off like there was actually no actual incident the strip club didn't have any issues with him he didn't get kicked out he didn't get arrested he didn't hurt anybody it's like yeah you know i get it's i get that it's irresponsible behavior but we're in a league of superstars that do irresponsible things all the time like i don't know like is it that crazy like i it feels like it kind of got blown out of proportion i think i think jaw if you listen to the leading up to that were more concerning i like in, in some respects i agree with you but with the NBA's history with of gun violence and how they they've sort of treated guns, especially around you know players and teams, I think he's very fortunate that he is Ja Morant in this situation, 
if you listen to the league's statement, it was full of did not find that John Morant owned the gun, did not find that he had it on the team plane or team facilities. They didn't say that he didn't, just that they couldn't find evidence that he did. So to me, that that screams that they're pretty sure that he did, but they couldn't prove it. And what I think is the actual reality here is they didn't want to prove it because it's a minimum 50 game suspension if you have a gun on team facilities. And so they didn't want that happening. So they kind of agreed to be like, hey, Jaha, we're going to let you off of the warning here, but you're you're on notice because if you do this, like like we're we're basically canning you for a season. So I think the fact that he was a superstar, he got off really lightly here and he should be very grateful that he's as popular as he is because I think another player in this situation might might be gone for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's fair. Like based on the, the league rules and whatnot. But also and like, I get it. Like you the don't, league yeah. is to some extent a political organization, right? And they are like staunchly anti-gun violence and having a player, you know, promoting weapons and trying to like one of your most popular players, especially with the young crowd promoting weapons is like a league, a look that the league really doesn't want. So, you know, it's under their sort of purview to, to do with that as they will. And I, I think suspending him, as I said, was a break to John Morant, the way that they treated him. Yeah, no, I, I get the, the PR aspects of it. It just feels like there's, you know, other issues that get a two game suspension when you physically assault somebody on the court. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and in terms of like, actual like damage. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I hear you. He didn't, he didn't hurt anyone. Right. He's just, he was just being yeah. an idiot for a little bit. Well, a lot. Yeah. Of and it, it's like, yeah. he hasn't gotten punished for the other incidents really. So I don't know. Yeah. That's all probably also because yeah. he's rich and famous. So, yeah. I mean, we we know this about society. The rich yep. don't get punished. Hashtag eat the rich. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's move on to the, the. Do we think the Phoenix Suns are real here? And are they? A, are they? A they are. Who, who, they are terrifying. Let's recalibrate this question. Who are the actual contenders in the West? We've talked about the top three teams in the East being the best teams in the West. Obviously, the Nuggets, but then Sacramento, Memphis, were both out on. Phoenix, L.A., Dallas, Golden State. I think are the other teams that are in that conversation. Maybe? I got, I got four teams that I think can win the West. Okay. Denver. It's a lot. Phoenix. Uh, the LA Clippers and the golden state warriors. It would be hilarious if golden state came out of the play-ins and just torched the playoffs again. Yeah, it would be <laughs> just be like amazing. the regular yeah. really does not matter. They're just, come to the playoffs and all of a sudden it's just like yeah we're still the golden state warriors the league's fucked although not having andrew wiggins who's yeah, been it, out it really hurts the defense personal reasons no there's no actual some like, kind of family tragedy some yeah, kind of family tragedy really sad has probably happened that yeah i'm kind of glad it hasn't been disclosed to the public like i'm glad these things can be the, kind of the nba media i mean i i love the nba and I'm, i love the referees the nba media Oh my god! Like a lot of these said, you love the referees on a (laughs) podcast for all the internet. Aaron, you're such a cuck. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, continue your. The NBA media does a great job because a lot of them actually know what the real issues are because they talk to people in the teams and the teams say like, "Hey, 
like we'll tell you if you keep it quiet kind of thing but don't don't dig around like don't go interviewing the family members like don't don't poke around please give this guy some privacy and the nba media does a great job respecting the privacy of, of players when they're going through stuff like this like i know that people know what happened with kyle lowry last year why he missed a bunch of re- a bunch of time for personal reasons but that never got out like they do a great job protecting the players when it's family related and i really appreciate that about the league yeah I totally agree, but for basketball reasons, it would be nice to see Andrew Wiggins come back this season. Obviously, that's no one knows at this point whether he's going to be back and playing. But like this team in the finals last year, he was arguably their second best player. He's super important for them, and he is, defensively, yeah. he's a huge reason why they've been great. And without him, they just—they're not the same team. And even with Steph back, they've still been losing games and Steph's been playing phenomenal. They like, I don't know, they need help and they didn't make any positive moves at the deadline, like trading for an injured Gary Payton, I don't think was the play that they really thought it was. And <laughs> yeah, it's almost like they should have made all these moves a long time ago. Yeah. Trading James Wiseman for the second who they yeah. could have just signed, you know, it, We'll see. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. But this current version of the Warriors, I don't know if they have the juice. I I think that they might, which is why I have them as one of the four teams to to win the West. Before before we talk about, I want to talk about the Clippers and the Suns. Are there any other teams that you would add to the teams that can win the West? I mean, I think the other team... If you say Sacramento, I'm fucking slapping my mic. No, I, I think you're going to hate me even more for the team I'm going to bring up. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. They've fixed their I'm rotation. <laughs> they fixed their rotation. If LeBron's going to be back before the playoffs, Anthony Davis is looking really solid. If this team is healthy, and it's a huge if, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, a real rotation around them that doesn't have Russell Westbrook in it, Austin Reeves just scored 35 points in a game. Dennis Schroeder, helpful player. They've got a re- they've got real pieces. I don't know. They might they might be a dark horse here, Aaron. Is that crazy? Am I crazy? It's LeBron and Anthony Davis. Can we really count them out? Wow, I am stunned, but I think you sold me. Like you are right in that they if everything breaks right for this team, if they're healthy, they have they have the ammunition to do it. Like I'm not going to doubt LeBron, a healthy LeBron and AD in the playoffs. I've been sort of a Lakers believer ever since before they traded for Russell Westbrook because of that reason. So yeah, like philosophically, I I can't. <laughs> Anything's possible. Wrong, but standings wise, like they got they got some work to do. They are 35 they have to make 35. the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they have to make the playoffs and. Yeah, they, they got to win a lot of games without LeBron uh, and, you know, losing to Dallas like they did last week on a buzzer beater doesn't help. Yeah, they're a half game out of 12. They could not even make the play-ins. So, yeah, and they got to make it out of the play-ins. Like, it's a it's a long road, but I think you're onto something here. Let's talk about Phoenix because they they are like basically impossible to read. Kevin Durant played like, what was it? Two games for them 
before inexplicably spraining his ankle. He'll be back before the playoffs. But this team is basically no one's going to have seen them until the playoffs. And Devin Booker and KD on the same team, uh, that's a nightmare to guard. Not many teams have guys that can match up against both KD and Devin Booker. Yeah, I think the biggest question for me with Phoenix is they've just had so little time together. This Kevin Durant injury yeah. is really tough for them because they just got him after the trade deadline. And I've he was hurt then, right? Like, yeah, and I don't think we've ever seen a team that's a real competitor like come together at this late of a stage. It's like when remember when Miami Heat became that juggernaut when LeBron and Chris Bosh yeah, came? Yeah. It took them almost a full season to really click. And I think the pieces fit pretty easily here. Yeah, Kevin Durant, Durant is just the easiest superstar to fit around. Like, it's just, he yeah, can do everything. But it's, yeah. It's still part of me, like, just believe defensively in the idea is where chemistry and like, yeah. this cohesion that you have to build up. Like, defensively, you all need to be in sync and on the, in the same page. It's like a choreography. And they just haven't had any time to work out any of the kinks of how this is all going to work out together. That, it's hard for me to believe that this team is going to win a championship this year because of that. And because of this injury, they just had no time to get, get their shit together in the regular season. But with the talent on paper, and I mean, we said this about the nets too, and they came close except for a couple of injuries. It's like on paper, this team terrifying. I think, I think the favorite in the West, but it just actually has to come together. Like, yeah, but that's, that's a, that's a big caveat, <laughs> but like on paper, I, the Clippers are, I think they were, they were my pick before the season to win the West. And right now they're sitting, staring at each other at the four or five. That's going to be what, a brutal first round match. What a first round series that would be. Kevin Durant versus Kawhi Leonard, Paul George versus Devin Booker. Like just, Give me like make that a eleven game series because like do you think that series would break the record for the most mid range jumpers in a series? No, because different eras have existed. <laughs> yeah, the okay. early thousands happened. Uh, Kobe but, Bryant existed, <laughs> but in the clutch, yeah, it's going to be a lot of middies and just a lot of shot making. Just the level of that series is like that could be the finals in the West, right? In the first round, just because of how stupid the season has been. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very exciting matchup. I would love to see that as a first round series. One of those teams is going to be so disappointed getting losing in the first round is devastating for both of those franchises. Absolutely. Like, and it's hard to imagine either coach surviving that, that, that loss. Like it's I think hard Monty to Williams that. is safe. Monty Williams has built up so much acumen or uh, like new ownership. But he, everyone doesn't like him. This great coach. Same with Jay Tron, Crowder didn't actually... like him. <laughs> Chris Paul hates like everyone. I think they could they could chalk it up to just not having enough time with Kevin Durant. Both both Monty Williams and Teron Liu are regarded as some of the best coaches in the league. It's tough to see them getting the blame when you look at like with the Clippers kept quiet playing half a season they're load managing everybody if you I don't know something's not right with the Clippers though 
they should be better than this. Russell Westbrook has actually been all right for them, but yeah, we can't blame this one on Russell Westbrook. <laughs> but like every every series, I feel like from top to bottom, I have no idea who's going to win. It's the exact opposite of of the way the East is. Denver, if they play the Lakers as the eight seed, I'm shitting myself if I'm a Denver Nuggets fan. Like that is that is not a fun one eight matchup. Yeah. If Sacramento is playing Golden State, like, <laughs> like that is you, you probably without game. Andrew Wiggins, you, you might like your chances in there, but you're also like, I bet Golden State would be the betting favorites there. <laughs> yeah. Sacramento coming in with no playoff experience. Yeah. Against the defending on the champions, other side, but they have home court advantage after, yeah. after every possession. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and then Memphis against like Dallas, you know, potentially. Like Dallas historically has played Memphis very well. Uh, you know, they slow it down, whereas Memphis likes to run. You know, they don't turn the ball over and, you know, they can, they'll be able to score against this Memphis defense. And will Memphis be able to score against them? I don't know. So these are all like, like it's, it's not going to happen, but you could see five through eight winning the first round matchup. Yeah, like that, that doesn't totally. happen in the NBA. You could see the five seed having home court advantage in the West, like in the West finals. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> like, yeah, this is a year where this is legitimately possible. It's so wacky how the standings are. It, it's everything so topsy turvy that, yeah, we're in for the most exciting Western Conference playoffs I think we've ever had. Yeah, I don't, whatever team comes out, like, I, they're going to be underdogs to whatever team comes out of the East. But that's not to say that they can't win. It's just it's just that the, the road is just way less obvious for the for the West. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the playoffs to happen. We've only got and 10 games, 11 games. Yeah, for most teams, it's like 10 games left. Uh, and we haven't even talked about a couple teams like the Pelicans if zion if they somehow make the plans don't, don't get your hopes up and zion, zion comes back zion's not coming back if you're denver if you're sacramento like <laughs> yeah that doesn't feel fair <laughs> yeah <laughs> this was a team that was at the top of the standings before zion got hurt yeah if now, like if they're just if the pelicans are just randomly healthy like that's not a, that's not a fun team to play yeah. And then obviously we have the dredges of the West. Portland, they're 31 and 40. They're pretty much out of it at this point, which sucks because Dame has had one of the better offensive seasons in NBA history. And it's all for naught because this roster sucks. Chauncey Billups, he, the players love him. Are the X's and O's right? Probably not. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, you got the tanking teams after. So. Minnesota's the other team that if Cat comes back, do you think they do you think they have any chance? I like not really because when Cat was healthy, like they did not look right. The the fit with Gobert never worked. And so they have a lot of time to think about it, but have they do they have any real answers there? And then, like defensively, they like they kind of have their identity now. But obviously, Cat's going to really disrupt that. And then, you know, like Nas Reed, like is one of their best players. Like maybe not best, is one of their better players. And Jalen McDaniel's is too. And they're all like 
those are all four fives. And so outside of Anthony Edwards, like your next like Kyle Anderson's a four. So many of your, of your best players are fours and fives. And so it's just, it's awkward to have your best players play together. And so I think there may be more like I, Minnesota is just toast. Like they, <laughs> that, that go bear trade, they have, they have no ammo left. They can't do anything. They yeah. have no way to reshape this roster. You know, they, they traded D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, which is like, okay, you got rid of D'Lo. Great. But you know, yeah, he didn't Mike really Conley's fix anything. Not the answer for the future. Yeah, exactly. I think the answer is going to be trading cat at some point, but we'll have to see how, like if I think it's going to be hard to get value for that out right? here in yeah. the playoffs. If they don't even make it to the playoffs, that's a disaster after going all in on Gobert. It's yeah, and like you can disaster. blame it on Cat being hurt, but it wasn't good before that. So yeah, yeah, a lot of stakes in the West. A lot of interesting things happening. Yeah, I think. I mean, we haven't really talked about coaching turnover. I think there's going to be a lot of coaching turnover this year because. You know, if Philly loses in the second round, Doc Rivers is almost certainly gone. I think there's the a Nuggets decent lose chance in the second round. Sorry, Mike Mal- Mike Blown's probably on the hot seat if the Nuggets don't have success here. Absolutely, Nick Nurse. I think it's a decent chance he's gone. Um, you know, like Houston, there's no way they're <laughs> they're keeping Stephen Silas for another season, right? Like Chauncey Billups is, you know might be gone no Chauncey Billups isn't going to be gone I don't think so that's yeah. he's had one season as a rookie head coach do you he's think there's more time. Jason Kidd like Dallas has not been great yeah. this season they don't really have anything left to do but get a new head coach right yeah I think Jason decent chance Tyron Lue or Monty Williams if they play in the four or five but one of them's gone um, which is kind of crazy because these coaches yeah. Like Nick Nurse, if Monty Williams, we're talking a lot of like the, the highest, highly regarded coaches in the league, and they're potentially yeah. gone. There might be some juicy musical chairs happening where these guys get instantly hired right away by another team. That's like, yeah. all right, I'll yeah. take that. But yeah, we'll have to see how this all shakes out. Aaron, is there anything else we want to cover before we wrap up no, this, this is, week? This has been a monster pod, and so I mean, I'm excited to listen to it back because I think it's a doozy. Yeah. We didn't get any emails this week. Hopefully that changes for next week, dear emailers. If you'd like to send us an email, it's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. That's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Can't wait for the playoffs to start. Hopefully the Raptors do something, something fun. Keep it, keep it exciting for the podcast, if for nothing else, because there's no real hope. But we need more content, Aaron. So let's uh, let's pray for the Raptors to do something in the last couple of weeks. That's all for now. Just Bye-bye, no folks. mediocrity, good or bad. Just pick one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take care. Right. Bye.